We are uh, in a series right now, as I said, the series title is Prayer Reset. Today, I want to talk about prayer that seizes the day. That's the message today that I want to talk about. And uh, so let me just do this. Let me just go ahead and pray. Then I'm going to read the scripture and we're going to get right into the word. Lord God, we love you and we just thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, I just want to pray for greater revelation in all of our hearts. We need to know you more. We need to understand your will for our lives in a greater depth. And I pray, Lord, over these next few moments, Jesus, that you would retrain us and reteach us so that we can be released in this area of prayer. And I just pray against the spirit of condemnation that might come over us when we talk about this subject. I pray against the spirit of uh, indifference as well, Lord, where we have grown indifferent about the call to prayer. I pray, God, for your grace to be upon me to share it and your anointing to be upon this room, God, so that every one of us can receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says amen. All right, so let's get right into the word. It's found in Luke chapter 11, and I want to read it. And there's going to come a part where I'm going to actually read what we call the Lord's Prayer. When I get to that part, I'd like for you to join me and read it out loud with me. The words will come up on the screen. And then when we're done, I'll finish out the passage. But it says here in Luke 11, Now it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, now join me in this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'll continue. So Jesus said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. And my children are in bed with me, or are uh, with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give to him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Carpe diem. What's that mean? Seize the day. The word carpe diem is Latin for seize the day. It literally means to take hold of the day or to grab onto the day. Actually, in uh, 
in its original meaning, it was a, it was a, a word that was used around the harvest time, and it actually meant to enjoy the day or to enjoy the harvest. And the idea of carpe diem came to, to uh, mean this idea about enjoy or make the most of what you have before you. Take, on, take hold of it, grab it for yourself, and enjoy it while you have the opportunity. And so this is how Jesus lived his life. Jesus lived this carpe diem kind of life. Everything that Jesus said, everywhere he went, everyone he touched was fueled by what he saw the Father doing and by what he heard the Father saying. And that all began in what, in what uh, we saw here and read in this passage, that Jesus had a place where he prayed, where he met with the Father. And it was out of that place of prayer that Jesus seized the day, that he took hold of it, that he grabbed onto it so that he could live out and fulfill everything that he had been sent to accomplish. And so what happened in his prayer time set the course for the rest of his day. And the difference between the words seize and siege is one letter. Okay, so the word siege means to surround. It means to be hemmed in or surrounded by something. In military operations, armies will lay siege to a city in order to stop off the supply so that they can uh, bewilder the people living in that city and over time, the people grow weary, and then they just give up. And some of us live our lives more like we are constantly under siege rather than seizing the day. That we live as though we're surrounded by all kinds of problems and troubles in our lives and we're just up against all kinds of difficulty, and I don't know why i got to deal with these problems, and I don't know how bad it's going to get before God will do something about all this. And we live as though we're under siege, like we're victims of our culture, of our time, of our circumstances, of our failures, rather than living as victors in the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what he made you. He made you more than a conqueror. And he says, I want you not to live your life like you're under siege, but I want you to seize the day. Ooh, come on now. God wants us to be Caesars of our day. And so the way that we do that, the place that that starts, I believe, is in the place of prayer. This is how Jesus lived his life, fulfilling his mission in the earth you say, well, he was God. Of course he could do that. He was the God-man. He was God and without sin, but he was man. And he needed God to show him what to do. He needed God to tell him what to do. So that he needed to be a man of prayer in order to accomplish 
what he was sent to accomplish. And how many of you know, if Jesus needed to pray, I think I kind of do too. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about this. Jesus seized his days through prayer. And so we need to do the same thing. So I'm going to tell you right up front where I'm going today. I want to talk about the priority of prayer. I want to talk about the pattern of prayer. And then I'm going to end it by talking about being persistent in prayer. If we're going to seize the day and be a people of prayer, first of all, number one, we need to make a commitment to the priority of prayer. We all need to understand that prayer was a priority to Jesus, and if it was a priority to him, it needs to be a priority in my life. Amen. And uh, so that's what we read in verse 1. It says, now it came to pass, as as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased from his prayer, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Now, this disciple that asked Jesus to teach him to pray, let me just tell you, he was a Jewish, he was a, a Jewish young man who grew up in a tradition and a custom where they had already learned how to pray. They learned the different kinds of prayer that they were supposed to pray. He didn't, it wasn't that he didn't know how to pray. He was asking the Lord, Lord, I want to learn to pray like you pray. Show me how you pray, Lord, because this disciple and all of the disciples saw something different about Jesus' prayer life than what they had grown up learning and hearing. They saw how Jesus prayed differently. His his prayers produced results. They would watch how Jesus would pray. He would go off and he would be alone with the Father. He would come out of that. And then he would walk through the days and he would teach the multitudes. And he would heal the sicknesses. And thousands of people would follow him. They said, Lord, show us how you pray. That's the kind of prayer life I want. Come on, amen. And so they weren't just wanting to learn how. They wanted to know how Jesus prayed. And so that Jesus prayed, they saw that prayer to the Lord was a priority in his life. And I studied this out in the scriptures, and if you read the New Testament Gospels, you will find Jesus praying time and time again, and he prayed in different ways and at different times for different reasons. For instance, this is how how much a priority prayer was to the Lord. Jesus would pray alone. He would pray in a solitary place. He would, go, he would get up a great while before daylight. This is all in the Bible. He would get up before the sun rose. He would go off to a solitary place where he would pray. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus would go off very often. He would send the multitudes away and go off by himself so that he could pray, so that he could meet with the Father. He prayed alone. In fact, out of the 15 times where it says Jesus prayed, six of them says that Jesus sent his disciples away, he sent the multitudes away so that he could go pray. There were six out of 15 times where Jesus would rather pray than be with people. Come on, I'm, I'm talking somebody's language now. Amen. You know why? Because you can't be what you need to be for people if you don't meet with God. You can't be the mom or the dad you want to be for your children if you don't, first of all, put God as a priority in your life. 
I can't be for you as a pastor what I need to be if I don't take the time to prioritize prayer in my life. I'm only as good to you as close as I am to him. Amen. And that's true for all of us. Amen. Jesus prayed alone. Here's what we hear also. Jesus, Jesus prayed before meals, even in the restaurant. Amen. Jesus took time as the meals would come, and he would thank the Father for the food that was set before him because he knew that this was a blessing of God. No, we're not there yet on that scripture. Yeah, no problem. Don't get ahead of me. Can you take it off? <laughs> Amen. She's doing great. Jesus would give thanks for the meal. You know, Jesus, the Lord deserves that we prioritize, even at our mealtime, say, God, thank you. Thank you for this food that you have provided for me. Tim, I, I, went, I worked my job. I, I did that. Listen, the Bible says God gives you power to get wealth. It's okay that even in public, you stop and you pray. Amen. Jesus prayed for others. Remember Peter? When Peter was about to fail him and Peter said, I'll die for you. And he said, I'm gonna, I'll defend you to the death. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what you're about to, you're, you don't know how you're going to fall flat on your face. But Peter, I have already prayed for you. And I know what God has intended for you. How many, how many of you know that there are sometimes you can see people making the wrong decisions before they see it? And you can preach, you can try to preach to them till they're blue, till you're blue in the face, but you're never going to change them. They're going to go out and fall flat on their face. But you know what? Prayer can make the difference. Because Jesus said, I have prayed for you that when you do return. You're going to strengthen other people around you. Amen. There's power in prayer. Jesus prayed not only for others, but Jesus prayed with others. The Bible said Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a mountain where they could pray. Sometimes you can pray by yourself, and you should. You should pray alone. You should pray in isolation and get with the Father between you and Him. But there are other times. It's okay. I need, I need some prayer partners in my life. I need somebody to come alongside me and pray with me. This is how much of a priority it was with the Lord. He didn't just pray for people. He even prayed with people. Because one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Amen. Jesus not only prayed for others and with others and over his meal and not only alone, but he also prayed before making decisions. The Bible tells us that Jesus went out and prayed all night long about the 12 disciples that he was going to choose. Oh, wouldn't, if he's God, wouldn't he just know he was the God-man? And he needed to get God's direction over his life. And if some of us would start making and praying over our decisions, we wouldn't keep making those same decisions. If we would pray about it. If we would pray about 
what's in front of us, what opportunities we have. He prayed all night long. And here's a little add-on that I don't have time to dig into. But one of the persons that he chose in that all-night prayer meeting was his betrayer, Judas. There's a whole message in that right there. That God's will sometimes involves some hard people and some hard things and some difficult things that are going to cause you problems down the road. But you prayed about it and you got God's direction for it and it was the right thing to do. Amen. Jesus not only prayed about making decisions, but he also prayed his way through his times of trials and testings and sufferings. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, that was a night of just praying through the struggle of what he's going through. Sometimes when we're in deep pain and anguish in our soul and we don't know what to do, we pull away from God. And we close off communication. And we get mad. And then we just disappear. But here's what you do when your world is caving in and when crisis has hit your life. You get into the garden. And you meet with God. And you press through the pain. And you talk to him. And you lay it all out before him. Now is not the time to clamp up. Now is the time to look up and pray. And get close and draw near. That's, how, that's the only way you're going to get through this. And on the other side of it, be healed and well and stronger than when you started. Amen. Jesus prayed through his trials, but he, hey, here's another thing Jesus did. You want to know? He prayed for his enemies. I thought Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. He did. But he, he does what he tells you to do. As they pierced him and hung him on the cross and lifted him up, the Bible says he said to the Father, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing to me right now. Not two years after the fact, after I've, you know, been angry and bitter over it. Amen. But right now, while he was being pierced, while he was being hung on the cross, Father, forgive them. Prayer was a priority to the Lord. Jesus, here's, here's the best one of all. Jesus already prayed for you. John chapter 17 says, Lord, I'm not just praying for my 12 disciples, but I'm praying for everyone who believes in you through me, through their testimony about me. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, Jesus has already been praying for me, so, so there. Go ahead and tell them that. The point, the point is this. If I'm going to seize the day in my life, I need to set prayer as a priority. Just like it was a priority to Jesus, it's got to be mine. Amen. Number two, if we're going to seize the day, we need to follow the pattern of prayer that Jesus gives to us. Now the disciples said to the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Would you say that line with me? When you pray, say. Let's say it again. When you pray, say. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer. That's what we call it. But really, it's the disciples' prayer. Because here's what the Lord is saying. Here, okay, I'm going to teach you. Here's some things you say. Here's how you can pray. Now, over the centuries, and this isn't wrong, over the centuries, the Lord's Prayer has just become this almost kind of poetic poem-like prayer that we recite. And that's okay. That's, that's great. I think in that alone, just by itself, just quoting the Lord's Prayer, I think it's a good thing. I think there can be a powerful thing about it. It kind of refocuses us and resets us on our mind, our heart on the Lord. But really, the idea behind what Jesus was saying is, I'm not just giving you, a, I'm not just giving you these one-liners to recite. I'm giving you an outline to expand upon. This is, these are things, these are topics, these are ideas as you meet with the Father that you can pray. And so, it's great to recite it, but really, it gives us a good outline on how to pray. Now, some don't know how to pray. As I'm talking about prayer, there may be one or two or maybe even more than that in here that are like, I don't even know how to pray. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to go about this. I don't know the first thing to do when I go into prayer. You're telling me to pray, and I just don't know how to pray. Or some of us know how to pray, maybe, but we don't know where to start or how to go about it. For starters, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Look at these words. Jesus said, but you... Do I have this up there? Darn. Okay, let me, let me do this. Matthew 6, 9. We'll do it for the next service. My fault. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Everybody say, go into your room. Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, say, shut the door. So Jesus said, when you pray, go into a room, right? And shut the door, right? Did Jesus say that? I wish I had the scripture up there. My fault. Jesus said, and he said, when you go into the room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will, re will reward you openly. Now the NIV says it this way. Go into your room, shut the door behind you. Actually, the NIV, the NIV says go into your closet. Shut the door behind you. And when you pray, you're going to pray to the father who is unseen. You don't see him, but you're praying to him. But watch. But when the Father sees what you're doing, he'll reward you. See, this is the activity of prayer. I don't see God. I know he's there. I don't see him, but he sees me. And power happens out of that prayer time. He said he will reward you. Oh, come on now. Isn't this good news? And so... Right there, we need to set the priority of prayer in having a place with God in the secret place. 
And so when you go into God's presence, here's how we go into his presence. First of all, Jesus taught us that we are to approach God as our heavenly Father. That's the first thing. This is the pattern. First thing. Bring it up, Liz, if you would. Approach God as your Father in heaven. Jesus said, our Father who lives in heaven. The best place to start your prayer time is not, I'm such a wretch, I'm such a sinner, I'm such an awful person, I can't get close to God, God must be mad at me. No, that's going to drive you away from him. If you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then his blood has washed away all your stain and all your guilt and all your sin. And now you are right in his eyes and you know who you are? You're a child of God. And so you can come into his presence and you can approach him as God, your heavenly father. He's your father, that means you're his child. And he wants you, if I can, and I, don't, I hope this doesn't sound weird to you, but you can crawl right up into his lap and just enjoy his presence and love him and know that he loves you. And this is how we approach prayer. We don't go in like, oh, I, man, I just, I just can't get, you know, like God's always mad at me. He's always your father. That's who he is. And, well, I messed up yesterday. okay. That's fine, but your children mess up, and I hope you don't kick them out the door. <laughs> and if you do, let me tell you something about your Heavenly Father. He doesn't. Amen. Come on, can't I get a good amen out there? So we need to approach Him as our Father, because listen, here's something you need to understand about prayer. Prayer is more about relationship than it is about getting results. Now, results are important. I want to see mountains moved. I want to see things done. I want to see change happen in my heart. I want to see change happen around me. I want to see results. But more than it's about getting what I want to see, it's about being with him and knowing him. Here's what Hebrews, now you can bring that verse of scripture up. Liz, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look at those first words. Approach God's throne. God is on the throne, right? That means he's in charge, right? But notice what it is. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. And you can be confident as you come into his presence. So when you begin your prayers, just come in and just take a few moments. And just say something like, like the Bible says, now we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, Daddy, Father, Abba. And just take a few moments and just say, Lord, thank you that the door is open for me, that I'm with you and you're with me, that I'm your child through the blood of Jesus Christ. And just embrace that relationship. Take a few moments, just take a couple of minutes and just think about God's goodness and mercy and fatherhood over your heart and over your life. That's where you start. 
And then the second way, the second place that Jesus said to go is that we need to adore God, adore him in praise and worship. Hallowed be your name. Everybody say that. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to sanctify, to set apart, to make holy. The name of God. Why the name of God? Because the name of God is who God is, what God has done, what God is doing, and what God's going to do. All are wrapped up in our mighty God, our loving Father, our King, our Lord, our Healer, our Shepherd. And as you praise the Lord and you exalt His name, and you're just taking your time and blessing the name of the Lord. You're just taking your time and focusing on God's goodness in your life, this loving Father who has welcomed you in. Why? Because when I exalt Him, all my other problems and struggles in life pale and they fall behind me because I put God in right place in my life. And I'm not focused on my failures. I'm not focused on my past. I'm not focused on my problems. I'm not even going to focus on the problem I know I'm going to face when I show up at work today. I'm going to start in his presence, and I'm going to praise him because there's power in praise, and battles are won in praise. You'll win the battle that shows up later in the day, the one you didn't even know about, because you set your heart to praise, and you were prepared. Amen. Is this making any sense to anybody out there? So, we need to do, we need to praise the name of God. Jesus said, here's what you say, Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. And just take, I bet you, I bet you four or five minutes would go by if you just take your time and just love on him and praise him and just focus on his goodness. Do what Psalms 54 verse 6 says. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. How many know God is good, right? Psalms 100 verse 4 says that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful to him, and bless his name. Here's how you enter the presence of God. Just come with thanksgiving and praise. This is so, this is so important. This is what, by the way, having a heart of praise and gratitude and thanksgiving in your prayer is really going to, it's going to usher in the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. It's really, if you're out of peace, especially after yesterday or what's coming, how many of you know that we get stressed out before the day even started? But you're not a victim. You're not under siege. You're going to take the day by force. How do I do that? Well, you come into the Father's presence and you just focus on Him and you praise His name. And as you praise the Lord with thanksgiving and gratitude in your heart for who He is and for what He does and for what He's going to do, peace comes over you. The Bible said the peace of God as we pray with thanksgiving, Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When we pray, pray with thanksgiving and the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. 
Thanksgiving and praise is a peacemaker. Amen. My brother Joe, my older brother Joe, a few years ago, quite a number of years ago, died three times in one day. They had to resuscitate him three times in one day because his heart malfunctioned and stopped. After that, they put what they call a pacemaker in. I'm not really sure what a pacemaker does. I think it zaps your heart when it gets off, you know, it does something to your heart to restart it again if it gets out of sync. And that's what praise is to us. It's a peacemaker of the heart. It zaps your heart. Amen. Amen. Come on. It zaps your heart. Puts it back into alignment. And we need that every day. I need to do this every day. I have to do this every day. Everybody knows how, you know, discouraged I get. I've already whined about that so many times. I have to get myself out of that place. And the only way I know how to do that is to meet with my Father and to focus on His goodness in my life. Amen. So Jesus said, pray like this. Say this, our Father who lives in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart is your name, God. You just take time and you praise Him and you thank Him. Hey, and you can even sing your own song to Him. Did you know that? You don't have to wait to come to church to sing a song. David said, sing a new song to the Lord. You know what a new song is? It's your song. It's a song that comes from your heart. It's a song of praise to your God. Just love him. Then Jesus said, once you've adored God in praise and worship, now it's time to get down to business and advance God's kingdom through intercession. He said, pray this or say this, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Can I just tell you something, church? God has a will, but so does man. And God's will and man's will are not always in sync. Can I get a good amen out there? So what Jesus is saying is there are things that are not where they need to be. In your life, in your family, with your children, in your church, in your city, God knows in our nation, indeed all over the, all the nations of the earth, actually, this is where Jesus said, I want you as my kingdom administrators in the earth to begin to pray God's kingdom come and God's will be done. And in the Greek, it literally means in the here and the now. Just like it is in heaven, let it be on earth. That's what we're to pray. We're to pray that just as God's will is done in heaven. How many of you know that heaven's a pretty cool place to be? I've never been there, but I'm sure it's a really cool place to be. Well, there's no suffering there. There's no dying there. There's no discord there. There's no sickness there. There's no dysfunction there. There's none of the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the robbing, the killing, the murder. None of that's going on in heaven. And Jesus said, I want you to pray. God's kingdom will be done in the earth just like it is in heaven. And that's your job, and that's my job. You know what that means? When I come into God's presence, I advance God's kingdom in my own life. God, your will be done in me, in Tim Mosslander today. Not my will. 
I want your word to be done in my life. I want your will to be done in my marriage between me and Julie. I, God, I'm praying for your will to come and be done in my sons and their family and their, and their children and in all of my family, my church family. And you begin to pray. And all of a sudden, you're already a few minutes in and you're beginning to pray for people. You're beginning to pray God's will, God's kingdom be done in the earth. And you're setting the course of God's purpose and what God wants to see done in prayer, just in that closet, in that shut door where you're alone with him. This is how Jesus prayed. This is how Jesus prayed. And Jesus said, say this, amen. Now, everything that happens in the earth is not God's will. And so we're to pray in accordance with his will so that things will get done. Now, see, here's what happens. We, we need to understand that some people have this idea, this mentality that, you know, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. You know, if God wants something done, he's just going to do it. Why pray? Well, for starters, because Jesus said so. But really, if you read the Bible, and I mean you really read the Bible, it's true. God can do anything. He can do anything. But he's made it very clear to us that I move in accordance with your prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, and pray, I will hear, I will heal, I will move in accordance. The Lord has taught us, yeah, if we don't pray, some things won't happen. Amen. I just want to remind you today that God didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. He just didn't just save you from hell so you could go to heaven. But he saved you so that while you live this life, you can bring heaven to earth. And that starts in prayer. Amen. So, our primary responsibility is to pray the will of God in our home, in our life, over our finances, over our children, in our city, in our nation, and all over the world. Take your time and seek his face. Jesus said to do it. Say this. It's what he said. Amen. Everybody okay? You're getting quiet on me out there. Probably said that's because you stopped yelling. Then the, let me wrap this up in the final, the final thing he said, Jesus said, then say this, I want you to ask the Lord, I want you to ask the Lord to supply all your need. Ask God to supply all your need. How many of you got some needs in your life? Everybody in this room has physical needs or everyday kind of practical needs. Whether it's healing in your body or something to do with your finances or your washer or dryer just gave out or you've got a you know you got a you got some sort of need in your life Jesus said pray this way he said give us today or give us day by day our daily bread now Jesus wasn't teaching us there 
Pray for literal wonder bread or keto bread or whatever it is you do. I do keto bread. He said, don't ask. It's not about daily bread. It's about your daily need. What's going to get you through the day? What's going on in your world today? Pray about that. Oh, I'll figure it out myself. Well, that's dumb. When he said, pray about your daily bread. Well, I'll fix my own little problem. Why? You're not doing very well with it. It keeps popping back up. God, you got to help me today to know what to do today. God, supply my need, this practical need, this basic situation, God. I need you to supply that for me. Lord, you meet my need. Read this next one with me. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone. Notice, we talked about practical needs, but here's Jesus is talking about relational needs. How many have some people in your life that, you know, they're a little, hmm. Maybe they're sitting right beside you right now. You know how you deal with that? You pray about it. Well, they should just know by now. <laughs> they're saying the same thing about you. Amen. How do I relate in my relationship? I love how Jesus said this. Pray God forgive us of our sins. See, we all mess up. And what I want here and what we all need here is an open line of just unhindered relationship with God. And if there's anything that comes between me and him, I just want to get it out of my life. I just want to flush it out. But Jesus said, I want you to make sure that you understand where it concerns what's going on here has to affect here. So if you want to enjoy God's forgiveness and know God's love, pray not only that you get cleansed of those things in your life that are kind of dragging you down and messing you up, but also pray about those other relations in your life, your family, your friends, people you work with, your neighbor, Pray to forgive them. Well, I just refuse to forgive them. That's on you. I wouldn't, I'll tell you why that's on you. Because Jesus said, if you don't, you won't. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And so we need to deal with it. And we need to pray about it. And there have been times in my prayer time that I've had to pray days on end about a certain person in my life who's not in the room. <laughs> and I had to pray because it was really hard. But if I'm going to have this walk with God that I want to have, I can't allow what other people do or don't do toward me to drag me down, to beat me up, to tear me apart. Jesus said, you got to pray about it. Pray. 
God, forgive me as I forgive or as I also forgive others. I'm setting my heart right now to forgive. And sometimes that, that's what you do in your prayer closet. You set your heart because you don't know what scoundrel is coming around the corner later that day. And if you've already equipped your soul to be a forgiver, you may not flip them off when they do it to you. You may be like, have a nice day. Amen. And then that last line, um, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do not deliver us, or do not... Do not deliver us. Do not lead us into temptation. This is talking about our spiritual need. How many of you know that the devil's real? You have a real enemy who is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And one day Jesus went to his disciples and he said, couldn't you guys just hang in there with me and pray for an hour? He said, you do not realize the temptation you're going to undergo here in a little bit. You're not ready for it. And he said, you need to be in prayer because the enemy is out to destroy you. He's out to get into your head. He's out to get into your computer. He's out to get into your children. He's out to get into your work life. He's out, he's out to kill you and destroy you. And you need to get into the place of prayer. Jesus said, pray lest you fall into temptation. How many wouldn't like never to fall into it, right? Well, Jesus said, pray that you do not fall into temptation. It starts with meeting with God and talking to God about your stuff so that you can be free and overcome all the power of the evil one. Amen. Jesus said, pray like this. He gave us a pattern. Our Father, who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in Matthew it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In back in praise. Go to... Go full circle and end it all with praising God and thanking him for what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. Let me, one final thing, and I'll do this quickly. Make, make, prayer, make prayer a priority. Follow the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. Number three, remain persistent in prayer. Stay with it. I know, I know how we are. We are humans. When we don't stay with it, but we need to stick with it. And Jesus taught us this. I want to I read this story in the New Living Translation that we ended with in our, in, at the very beginning. It says, then, the, then uh, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. He said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. How do you borrow bread? I never understood that. I'm going to eat your bread. Wanting to borrow uh, three loaves of bread. 
And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose he calls you out from, uh, he calls out to you from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and, and my family and I are in bed. I cannot help you. But I tell you this, this is Jesus, I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, would you say that with me? If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so, Jesus said, and so, I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Jesus, Listen, this parable is not about God being reluctant to answer our prayer. It is about being shamelessly persistent in going to God and depending on God and crying out to God, God, I need you. We need you. And what that means is that I go confidently into his presence. He called him a friend. A friend went to his friend's house. And he went there. Why? Because he's my friend. He's my friend. Now Jesus did say it wasn't friendship that would open the door. But it was this idea that you're such a friend, you're so close to me, you're going to keep bugging me. But again, this isn't about God being reluctant. The point of the parable is you stick with it. You keep going there. Well, I prayed and then I fell flat on, flat on my face. Well, get up and pray again. Well, I prayed, yes, I prayed yesterday and I had a t terrible day the, day, the the rest of the day. Well, get up and keep praying. You don't stop praying because things didn't go your way. You keep praying so that you can keep going your way. And the way that God wants you to go. Don't stop now. Keep at it. We need to pray continually. I want to read this to you, Julie, if you would come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I love that. Go back to that first verse if you would. Always be joyful. How I many you know you're supposed to be joyful? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Don't shut down. Don't go silent. Never stop praying. This is in the Bible. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will. Everybody say God's will. God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What's the will of God for my life? Be joyful. Right? Never stop praying. Be thankful. That's the will of God. I want to no, I didn't want to know that will. I want to know the other will. No. Why don't you get those three down first? 
Come on now. Why don't you start there? Joy, prayer, gratitude. That's God's will. Church, God wants to draw us into a deeper life with Him. He wants you to go deeper. Now, you can stay where you are and maybe make it to heaven, but that's not what He wants. He wants you to be the kind of person that makes a difference in the world in which you live. And I'm just, I'm, I, I want to say this with all the love and due respect. If we're prayerless people, that's not going to happen. He's drawing us into his presence. He wants us to go deeper. He can give you a vibrant and effective prayer life. But you've got to want it. You got to be like that disciple that day who said, Jesus, teach me to pray. And Jesus said, say this. And he went after it. Let's be people of prayer. Amen, church? Would you stand with me? Can I have the prayer team come and uh, prepare those who are going to be praying for folks today? If you need prayer here today for anything in your life, you, uh, you're welcome to come on up here. And uh, we have some, looks like it's all guys here today, but it's guy day. But uh, maybe Katie will help out. You guys, uh, and uh, if you need prayer today, come on up and receive prayer. And uh, God is here to meet our needs. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for your presence here today. And I pray, God, that we will leave this place today encouraged to draw near to God, knowing that God will draw near to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our journey to resetting our prayer life and being changed, transformed, going deeper, going, and Lord, even, even giving you a little bit more time than maybe we've been giving to you. I pray, God, that your grace would be upon our lives today. We love you, Jesus, and we honor you. And Lord, I just pray now for your blessing over all your people. I pray, God, that you would bless your people, make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them and give them peace over this next week. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen.